You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. And I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And we're broadcasting today from the Diocese of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thank you for joining us for Real Presence Live. Um, We've had a good morning so far. I haven't been stumped too many times. (laughs) No, you've been doing well, Heather. Good job, Heather Carroll. (laughs) Did not get all questions answered correctly, but I tried, folks. I tried. So today we are uh, discussing kind of Holy Week, obviously. It's a good time to discuss it. Obviously. But we have a great guest coming up with us, Carl Olson. Tell us a little bit about Carl You've had him on ignition. Uh, well, yeah, before. yeah. I said before. So Carl's uh, an adult convert to the faith. He grew up in. Uh, I think he probably would say more of a fundamentalist hmm. Protestant at home. Um, sort of became a bit more evangelical in his personal faith. But I think it was in his twenties um, where he uh, he he ended up investigating the Catholic Church that he had grown up believing was like the whore of Babylon and so on. And, <laughs> Um, surprise, surprise, he and his wife, Heather, ended up uh, becoming, his wife, Heather, his name is Heather, not you, so. No, uh, not me, it's not I. <laughs> uh, ended up uh, entering into the church, and yeah, he's, he's written a number of books, um, and uh, he's the editor of Catholic World Report, but we probably could let him speak for himself, couldn't we? I suppose. Okay, fine. Heather, uh, <laughs> Carl, are you there? I am. Good morning. Hey, ha- happy Holy Week, Carl. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, Heather Heather Carroll is my uh, fellow co-host, and she'd asked me to talk a little bit about you, but I figured I should let you speak for yourself. So, would you mind telling our (laughs) our audience briefly, briefly now, Carl, uh, a little bit about yourself? (laughs) Well, I was raised in a fundamentalist Protestant uh, home in western Montana, and uh, the short story is that... that, um, I eventually went to the Bible college for a couple of years, after a couple of years of art school, and really during those those times in my late teens, I started asking a lot of questions about church history and, and theology and a variety of other things, which eventually led to, um, then my wife and I, a few years later, got married when I was about 25, um, we eventually entered the Catholic Church, and um been Catholic now for uh, close to 25 years, so it's been, you know, it's been a really interesting uh, a journey, and it's been really a, a great blessing to to become Catholic and to uh, go through all of that. Beautiful. And to go through all of that is that the eloquent way that you describe <laughs> well, to go through all of that? Well, I, you know, when I say that, I, I think it, I, I just said you know almost 25 years, and it's like wow, that you know, it's been a. Um, it's hard to think of those terms because, in some ways, it feels like it was just uh, a few years ago, and, right. and yet it's been a, a lot. You know, you know, Chris, some of the things just over the years, uh, and I say go through all of that. Yeah, it sounds pretty ominous, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, stuff I can't, I can't tell you because it's top secret. But I think, you know, the in becoming Catholic, there's a lot of things you have to grapple with when you come from a, a Protestant background, and I love reading, you know, conversion stories, and conversion stories where people come from a, you know, atheist background, whatever it is, because every journey is so unique, and there are a lot of those things that people grapple with, and, um, but, you know, in terms of the resurrection, this is something that I always believed, and it's really kind of a, um, a cornerstone of my faith, 
Um, but in, in, in becoming Catholic, I began to appreciate so much more deeply. I mean, I, I hope that the, the sacramental and incarnational and Trinitarian elements of that, and also just what salvation means, because this is one of the things that really deepened in becoming mm-hmm. Catholic as well, is appreciating what it means to be to be saved, to be saved from sin, to be saved for holiness, for divine life. Um, so there's so many aspects to it. Absolutely. Well, we wanted to have you on today because you did write a book called uh, Did Jesus Really Rise from the Dead? Which is somehow relevant to the Somehow relevant to this week. Uh, what inspired you to write this? Well, it's, it's funny because initially the book was pitched to me by Ignatius Press um, as a companion book to the movie Arisen, and, um, which is a very, very good movie. Uh, I really enjoyed that movie, actually. Uh, but the long story short is that did not work out. Um, it just never could come to an agreement between Ignatius Press and I think it was Sony that produced that movie. But we have the material, which is something that I had worked on before, and then Mark Brumley, president of Ignatius Press, and my boss, um, this is something that he had actually put together some material on, too, over the years. So Mark said, hey, let me send you my notes. I had a bunch of material already together, and we decided to go ahead and keep the, the Q&A format, which is what we're going to use as, as a kind of a study companion, if it went with the movie. And... Um, we think it worked very well because it's such a big topic. It's such a complicated topic. Uh, it's nice to break it down into kind of bite-sized pieces, so to speak. And also to kind of have there's a little bit of a conversational element to the book. And mm-hmm. we really did um, try as, as put together questions to come up with questions that really would resonate with people who were more skeptical, who wanted to ask the tough questions. Um, and I think the questions in here are 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 good, they're tough, they're not just, you know, softball questions. And I think that was um, important for the book to have some kind of, uh, you know, heft to it, that it's not just a bunch of, uh, you know, pat and easy questions. Because there are a lot of tough questions about the resurrection. There's a lot of tough questions about the faith. I think there's good and reasonable answers to them. But, you know, you're not going to win anybody over who has questions if you don't really be honest about the difficulties of some of the things that, uh, we face as Christians in examining, you know, core tenets uh, of what we believe. Carl, before we get into the the content of the book, what what was the research? It came out. What year was it published? It's been a few years, now, uh, right? Yeah, 2016, so five years ago, okay. and it was right. It was actually the same. What was it? About a month apart from the book that uh, you contributed to, a chapter two um, called "Be the Children of God," right um, <laughs> on salvation. So. It was funny because that book took about six years. Right. <laughs> yeah. This book took, uh, I, I forget, but it was about, um, a, you know, a few months, six, seven, eight months, you know, and they came out within about four weeks of each other. <laughs> right, right. I think that has something to do with the fact that you're trying to wrangle a bunch of other authors to, to write. Well, the, uh, actually, their I mean, the authors were, were great. It was because you had all the, all the different uh, synods in Rome. Oh, sure. And Ignatius Press was producing a bunch of books, and this, that book, called The Children of God, kind of got, it was one of those books they said, well, we can kind of push that one back. That was part of it as well, so it was a combination of things. 
So what was when, when this came out? Or well, not when it. Well, maybe when it came out, but since then, uh, what, what sort of response have you gotten? Again, before we get into the content, what's been the response to it? People found it helpful. As you were just saying, it's got substance to it. It's not just a little. Um, it's not a ten-page pamphlet or something. It's it, it's a book. Uh, what, yeah. And what yeah. have what have you heard from folks about about, about how helpful it's been? Well, the, the terms that people have used with me over the years, and actually I was just talking to uh, a couple of folks about this book last week, is that it's very readable, it's very accessible. They found it, um, people told me they, they found it really intriguing, like much more, uh, I guess, I would say the word interesting, but they, they, there's a lot more to it than they thought. I think you know, some people thought, well, this is just going to kind of be, yeah, of course, you listen to it, then here you go. But there's a lot of different you know, aspects to it. Um, not just on the on the historical front, but just on the front of the, the implications, the spirituality, and so forth. So, um, but I, people have, have been very, very positive about it, and I've been told by a number of people they've you know, bought copies and given them to friends, or they bought copies and had it at Paris. So, um, it's been a very, very positive uh, response from people. Great. Well, and is it the type of book that um, somebody who doesn't know a whole lot could pick up or somebody that knows quite a bit? Could they both benefit from the book? Well, I think um, if it's something that you, yeah, first of all, it, it is for a bit more popular readership. But as, as you know, Chris kind of indicated, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of academic substance behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the bibliography in the back, which is about eight or nine pages, is, is not just there for show. I mean, these are books that that I have, that I've read, that I, I use. Um, and so we really worked hard to find that, that line where it's accessible, but also there's, it's going to be um, substantive, even for, I would say, you know, uh, college-level students, even to maybe uh, theology students or folks who are into apologetics at kind of a more advanced level. I think the book is very substantive, and it will give them kind of a foundation to go further because there's a lot of uh, footnotes, uh, good bibliography, but we wanted to write a, a, you know, put out a book that was going to um, fill kind of a popular gap in in Catholic apologetics. There's not been a lot of Catholic books for regular readers, you know, non-specialists mm-hmm. on this topic over the last several decades, um, and so that's something that we really wanted to have out there. Yeah, I like I like the thought of it being kind of both because. You know, if you don't have the basics, you don't have anything. But then it's like you don't want to just stay with the basics right. either. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of things that you have to establish first, and I think a lot of key questions you have to address first, and then it builds. Mm-hmm. So I think to me, at the end of the day, the thing I really am happy with with this book is that it it shows a logical kind of progression of thought and, and a good way to approach the resurrection. Um, that's, that's reasonable, that's substantive, and I think will be the basis for further study for people who are interested in the topic. Carl, we, uh, we were just a couple minutes away from a break, so I wonder if maybe um, to sort of tease folks, if you will, you could just talk us, t- tell us a little bit about some of the common arguments against um, well, the resurrection in particular, but maybe also the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, what are some of those com- arguments? What are some of the common questions that people have? Um, and then after the break, we can we can dive into them a little bit. Okay. Well, I think one thing I addressed right on the, right off the bat is this belief that well, no, Jesus didn't even really exist at all. 
Um, and that's something that puts a rest very quickly, like just from the perspective of historians, that, that just isn't going to fly in this day and age. Um, in the 21st century, you just don't have any real historians that believe that Jesus didn't exist at all, that it was all made up. But then you get into a belief, for example, that, well, yeah, some guy named Jesus existed, but really most of what we have about him is, is mythology. It's certainly the resurrection is kind of a mythological construction that took place over decades or even centuries. So that's one belief that's out there. But I think the one that really resonates with a lot of people today is the idea that Jesus, uh, yeah, there was some kind of event, but really it's more of a spiritual type of resurrection. And even if we found his, his body in a tomb, um, you know, tomorrow, that wouldn't really matter. Because what's most important is kind of this resurrection spiritual event that transforms us, you know, enlightens us or whatever. That's very appealing to people uh, for various reasons. So there's that one as well. And then a couple that have kind of gone away but still hold some sway is the idea that it was a mass hallucination on the part of the followers of Jesus or the swoon theory where Jesus never really died that it was kind of a ruse, that he was taken down from the cross, still alive, resuscitated, and then trotted out a few days later. Um, those were really popular mm. back in the you know, 17, 1800s, the Enlightenment era, but have diminished because they just don't hold up to any kind of rigorous, you know, logical thought. Well, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Carl Olson, who wrote a book titled, Did Jesus Really Rise from the Dead? And we're discussing a little bit about what that book says and has to offer. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to have more with Carl Olson right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. If you are experiencing depression, anxiety, or suffering, especially from grieving, how can you find healing? I'm Father Chris Alar. While you should first seek professional help when needed, there is a roadmap that can help you to live your life again, and it is called the Spiritual Principles of Divine Mercy. First, come to admit that you are powerless over the loss of your loved one. Second, come to trust that Jesus can restore your life to manageability. And third, make the decision to entrust your will, your life, and your loved one to the loving care and protection of God. Join us and learn more about how to apply these healing principles in your life. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You. 
which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I am Heather Caro. And I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And we're broadcasting today from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thank you for joining us. We're having an interesting conversation with Carl Olson this morning, who uh, has written a book, Did Jesus Really Rise from the Dead? And we're kind of talking about some of the um, most common arguments against Jesus rising from the dead. And so we started with that right before the break. And let's dive back into So, Carl, do you, have actually, do you have any answers to these things? Or you just, uh... <laughs> he just has the questions in the book, and that's no. it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, the, book, the book is all questions, no answers. It's just questions. That's right. And at the end, you know, the question, is Jesus really right to the dead? The answer is, who knows? We're just going to hang in there, right? Just hope. Well, I think, you know, it brings up a more serious point, which is, um, I sometimes, and I, you sometimes run into this when you start reading stuff on, on the internet, which of course you run into anything when you do that. But I think what happens with some people uh, when it comes to this whole issue of the resurrection, now the resurrection, is first of all, some people kind of push it off and they say, well, what's most important is just that you have faith, you know, in something, or the idea that, well, we could never really know what happened because there's so many possibilities, so many different things could have happened. And one thing I try to do in the book is say, no, actually, there's very limited. Uh, things that could have happened. There's only a few things that could have happened. So Jesus either died or he didn't. So if you know, if, and if we when we say he didn't die, we mean he didn't die on the cross. Like he, it, it was like a, it was fake, or there was a duplicate or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then if he did die, then the question is, okay, then what happened? You know, was that a conspiracy theory? Was there hallucination? Was there a myth that was created? There's really limited things that could have transpired after that. And here's the big question, and this is something I really hammer home in the book, and I think it's, it's, it's key to all of this, is how do you explain Pentecost and everything that came after it, the, the essentially kind of an explosion of sorts, kind of a, I call it kind of a big bang within history, following what the Christians claim to be the resurrection, right? Um, if Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead, let's say it was a mythology, um, then how do you explain these men and, and then eventually, you know, women as well willing to go to their death for this? How do you explain the fact that 11 out of the 12 apostles will be martyred for this? But it's real, some of this is basic human nature. People aren't willing to die for something they know is not true, right? Right. Uh, it's just, you know, and then there's this great little anecdote in the book. Um, Charles Colson, who, of course, was one of the... Um, chief advisors to President Nixon back in the Watergate, Watergate days in the early 1970s. And Colson, made, who became a, a born-again evangelical Christian after he went to prison for that, he makes the point about how he and his, this little circle of men, I think, you know, six or eight men, you know, of course, put together kind of this conspiracy and this lie and cover-up of the Watergate scandal. And he said, we only lasted a few weeks. Hmm. Right. Like, we finally, you know, we finally broke down and, and it, the truth came out. He said... Hmm. How in the world would you explain this with, with the apostles going years and years, decades for some, before being willing to die for it, if they made it up, if they knew it was false, if they knew it was kind of a con? And, and people don't die for myth, you know, um, commonly. Um, obviously, we as Christians kind of understand myth a little bit differently in some ways. It's kind of a whole conversation in itself. But 
when you start looking at the human nature of it, the history of it, some of these theories fall apart fairly quickly. Like, a good example is the hallucination theory. This is really big during the Enlightenment era. The idea that, well, you just had a, a group of people, say dozens or a few hundred of, of Christ followers, who then kind of had, had a mass hallucination brought about by their grief, their desire for something to be real that wasn't. But there is no proof that you can actually have a mass hallucination. Obviously, individual people hallucinate, but you cannot, you do not have even six people, let alone 60 or 600 people, have the same hallucination and then be agreed on all the details mm -hmm. and then live as, you know, apparently normal people for decades after that, believing that hallucination. That just does not happen. It does not hold up to any kind of psychological or, or medical uh, scientific examination. This doesn't work that way. So uh, there are also a couple quick examples of, I think, the ones that are a little bit easier to deal with. I personally think the whole spiritual resurrection theory is the one that appeals to people the most and is perhaps in some ways the more difficult one to respond to because then you have to dive into the historicity of the Gospels, the accounts, and talk about the nature of how the Gospels are constructed, and we take them seriously as historical documents, that kind of thing. So that gets more involved, um, and I think that's the one that has held the most sway, really, in, in recent decades and, and the last couple of centuries. Carl, um so you mentioned the recent decades, back in the 80s and 90s, um, a group of, of more liberal biblical scholars called the Jesus Seminar would get together and they'd talk about theories of what really happened and almost always not what was has been traditionally believed. And other scholars, you know, it's sort of been a perennial thing. Christmas and Easter, you get to cover the magazine cover stories about did Jesus really live or did Jesus really die and rise and so on. What, like today, like in, in your, what's your sense of sort of, uh, you just said kind of the spiritual resurrection idea <clears throat> is still the one that captivates a lot of people's attention. There have been a lot of, um, frankly, kooky ideas that have uh, come, on the, uh, come onto the scene, but then uh, decided to go away because there's just nothing to support them over the last few decades. What today, uh, in your reading, your observation, um, are the more common objections? Is it the spiritual resurrection, or, or, or did people not really are they not really voicing their views on what really happened to Jesus of Nazareth? Well, I, my my sense in general, and you know, some of it's anecdotal, some of it's from various things that have been out the last few years. Um, I think the the spiritual resurrection theory, which by the way was promoted in various forms by some of the the people in the Jesus Seminar, um, it continues to be uh, very influential. And there's obviously kind of a, what I would call a, quote-unquote, kind of new age aspect to some of that. You see it, I, I talked at the beginning of this book about, you know, Deepak Chopra wrote a number of years ago with this best-selling book called Third Jesus. That's a great example of that. I mean, that was a book that was on the New York Times bestseller list, and of course Chopra has, has sold a lot of books. And his whole thing is, well, we don't really know who the Jesus history was. That's lost in the, the mist of time. But this, this third Jesus he talks about is the, the Christ consciousness. It's the Christ within us. And what's important is that we find that inner channel to, you know, divine enlightenment, et cetera, this kind of language that is very, you know, I live in Oregon. You know, this is very popular in this, this neck of the woods. <laughs> so um, I still think on a popular level, what you're seeing worked out 
over the decades to some of the influence of the Jesus Seminar. I think what the Jesus Seminar did for some people, including some Christians, is gave them, I think, well, it's scholarly to, to say, no, this is mostly made up, it's logical, but the important thing about being Christian is to be a good person or to be moral or to find your own spiritual path. So you find that a lot as well. I do think that there are there's kind of a there's been a, a strong but, but smaller movement of people who just say, well, Jesus didn't ever really exist. You know, even Bart Ehrman, who's a New Testament scripture scholar who was uh, admitted agnostic, ended up writing a book a few years ago, a best-selling book, refuting that, even though he disagrees with a lot of Orthodox Christian belief. He himself wrote, felt compelled to write a book saying, no, Jesus really did exist. I mean, right. historically, he can't. But that still remains kind of popular within a, within a certain you know segment of, of, of folks out there. I, I just think for a lot of people, they maybe don't dive into it very deeply, right? Mm-hmm. They just say, well, whatever. I mean, that's your thing. Yep. I, you know, or it's just a, it's made up. It's something that's a crutch. This is why I think in my book, in the book, I really try to emphasize the scandalous, demanding nature of the resurrection. It's something that demands reflection. It demands us to really think, well, what did happen? Something happened. Christianity did not come out of a vacuum, you know? Um, and so it, there is something there that is very challenging. So I think a lot of people, they try to avoid it. I think even mm-hmm. a lot of Christians kind of try to avoid it. You know? And obviously this is the week where we should face it and embrace it and really, even if we have to struggle with it, it's a good struggle to have because I think God really rewards an honest, humble struggle for truth. Um, so that's a very important point, I think. Well, I think what you're kind of speaking to, that's kind of the scary part of where we're at with our culture today, is that they aren't asking these questions and they aren't looking into it at all. And so they, they're just going about their lives without even thinking about it. And yeah, so, I think that's very a very true point. I see that a lot, too. People are so immediately consumed with, um, of course, a lot of political stuff. They're consumed with a lot of controversy. They, they get caught up in, in trying to, especially with the, with the pandemic, trying to just make my way through and put my head down and, and just do my thing. Mm-hmm. And I think instead it should be really a time where we ask the big, difficult questions and challenge ourselves, uh, hopefully. But I think it's it's very hard. It's always hard. I mean, human nature kind of shies away from some of that because it it demands conversion. I mean, I'll tell you personally, you know, conversion is, is really hard. And we believe as Catholics that it's not just something you do once. It's a daily thing. Um, dying each day, putting ourselves uh, in the in the hands of God, and being willing to take up our cross. Uh, this is really a, a week to contemplate that, and I think this topic is is it's not just a topic; it really is the reality of what we believe. It's at the heart of it. Um, so, it's a big, it's a huge challenge. Absolutely. Well, we've run out of time this morning, so uh, thank you so much, Carl, for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Great to talk to you, Carl. All right. Have a great uh, Holy Week and uh, blessed uh, Easter. You too. Thanks. God bless. All right. So that was Carl Olson, and he wrote the book, Did Jesus Really Rise from the Dead? Uh, Check out your local Catholic bookstore or Amazon if you wanted to find that book and read some of the question and answers. It sounds really intriguing. It is a really good book. I've done uh, Bible studies or book studies on it it before, retreats, led people through it. So it's a really good book. All right. Another break. When we come back, more Real Presence Live right after this. Mm 